This is Fusebox number 97. Full exit. And you should remain seated until the show has come to a complete stop. Yes, because there is a lot more turbulence forthcoming. Welcome in, friends, to this, the 97th edition of Fusebox Carefully, entitled Full Exit. And uh, I'm your borrowed on running time host, Mark Rose, thanking you most sincerely for pushing play on this edition of the program. And over there, already on vacation in his mind, but still very much present, (laughs) is the curator of cues himself, Milt Keynes, everybody. Thank you kindly. once or twice in my life. <laughs> well, you know, with your your drink of choice being uh, Yoo-Hoo and vodka, the only uh, surprise is that it's been once or twice. Oh, you'd be surprised at how many colors you can get with a Yoo-Hoo and vodka full exit. <laughs> I'm sure you are 137% correct, Mr. King. However, full exit actually uh, refers to the action of uh, taking one's leave fully, as it were, from uh, this physical plane and on to the uh, next great adventure, whatever that may be. Yeah, I get you. Oh, and uh, speaking about uh, great new adventures... You know, I I know we're still going on and on and on about this uh, big 100th episode, but, uh, you know, I I, I think I may have the perfect solution for this one. Do tell, sir. Well, what about this? What about a whole show devoted to your musical hero, Frank Zappa? Now, I, I know you've been dying to wax on about the dude for, like, forever, So why not just go for it, man? Well, in as uh, much as I'd love to devote some time to Mr. Zappa's influence on, um, well, pretty much everything, in a way, you know, uh, I've actually done that already on uh, on another program, and uh, it's out there for uh, anyone so interested in that diatribe. You've been moonlighting somewhere or, uh... no 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 this was uh, this was a program that is uh, that is also heard on uh, this very overnightscape underground channel the overnightscape central as it is known and uh, i believe that episode was number 345 uh entitled uh not coincidentally zappa yeah but that was like a, a while ago right well yeah a little uh, that's a little over a year ago Back in uh, July of 2017. Yeah, well, I, look, I, I, I'm sure that uh, uh, by now you've had a chance to uh, think of a, of a bunch more stuff that you didn't have time to get to on that one, right? <laughs> uh, so, so what's the real reason, Mr. Keynes? I mean, you for one would be completely uninterested in the minutia of Zappa, right? Well... Yeah, but, you know, I thought you'd uh, really be able to just kind of handle that one all by yourself, you know? Just you. Waxing on. And on. And on. And on. And then and then maybe I I, I could just take the day off. What? What? Are, are you saying? Well, 
I mean, I, I figured I, I could take that time to, to, to have a, a root canal done is all. Oh, well, I had no idea. I, I, I mean, is it, are you in pain? or? Nah, 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 it's fine. I actually don't need it. I could use the day off, though. <laughs> okay, okay, I see. Well, <clears throat> sorry to uh, sabotage your imaginary holiday plans. But uh, I, I don't I don't think I'll be doing any Zappa soliloquies anytime soon. Just saying. Shit. I mean, well, okay, all right, whatever. We still need to address this show 100 thing, though. I mean, you have noticed that this is show 97, right? Of course, of course, and and I'm on it, really, truly, truly am. Um, actually, I've I've been putting a list uh, together of potential things uh, that. Uh, we were talking about at that uh, meeting we had the other day over at uh, Vinny's. And uh, I think there were several good ideas on their list uh, there that would be great. Yeah. Well, uh, I kind of don't remember that list. Come to think of it, that, that meeting at all. Vinny's, you say? Yes, Mr. Keynes. We were at Vinny's. And uh, you had several Yoo-Hoo and Vodkas. I recall. Oh, oh, well, there you go. That that may have been the same night I remember waking up standing in front of the open refrigerator without pants. Yeah, you know, that's just an image you can't unsee. Uh-huh. Now available in plaid flavor. And speaking of semi-dangling compulsions, here's a Wonderful story for you. This news item coming from uh, MSN, courtesy of Fox News. (laughs) I'm not sure what to do with that. But anyway, Ali Borgia, or Borgi, I am not sure how to mangle this poor chap's name. But we know he's 39, and we also know that he, uh, or did, taught at the University of Central Florida's Computer Science Department. And uh, he was charged with two misdemeanor counts of stalking when he was uh, arrested at his office. Investigators say Borgi started stalking a woman after they dated last June, watching her at the gym and messaging her, quote, you should be happy that someone likes you this much to stalk you. They said at one point Borgi sent the woman eight hundred texts in a single day. Quoting the uh, source here again, our detectives acted swiftly in this case as the UCF Police Department does when anyone feels threatened. And that from uh, UCF Deputy Police Chief Carl Metzger. The Orlando Sentinel reported that the woman said Borgi resumed stalking her this spring after she took a semester off to get away from him. She told police she saw Borgi following her in his car. The arrest affidavit filed with the court stated that Borgi acknowledged he made a mistake and he would apologize to the victim if she was standing in front of him. Before his arrest, Borgi tendered his resignation to UCF administrators. Jail records showed he was released on bail. They did not list an attorney. (laughs) Eight. Hundred text messages in a single day. That's right. Now, if you're anything like me, after about the, oh, I don't know, 
20th text, I might be inclined to ask myself, is this a little extreme right now? And surely by the 50th, you'd back off, right? I mean, was she even responding to these things? I can't say. The article uh, didn't reveal that bit. But for the love of pangolins, 750 texts later, you think you might have to acknowledge that there might be a little obsession going on here, right? Hell, man, I, I wouldn't even know what to type after 51. Well, Mr. Borgi appears to be uh, quite verbose, and with any luck will develop some odd palsy and uh, won't be able to thumb type anymore. However, it does beg the age-old and staggering quite badly question... What the fuck, Florida? So, sadly, friends, it's uh, once again time to acknowledge the... uh, passing of a couple of folks recently who were certainly meaningful to me and uh, countless others through time. Um, The first chap was uh, artist Steve Ditko, responsible for the co-creation of Marvel Comics characters Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, among others. Um, Ditko's style was, if you've seen him ever, (laughs) was, was unmistakable. And uh, and when I was growing up, I, reading his stuff, it was his his work was always a, a favorite of mine, especially the Doctor Strange stuff, where he brought that phantasmagorical world of uh, Doctor Strange to uh, vivid life. He only stayed at Marvel though until uh, I guess 1963, and then moved on to DC. And I think, if I remember correctly, he even did a little short stint at Charleston Comics and. Uh, few other places, before uh, I found him again, many years later, in the realm that I was most fascinated with at the time, the underground comics world, where uh, he was doing, uh, uh, well, the thing I found was something called Mr. A and a series of other pretty <laughs> cerebral comics as well. Yeah, it says, uh, says here he was a follower of Ayn Rand's philosophy of uh, objectivism. Uh, indeed, indeed. A lot of Ditko's uh, personal work had those uh, themes going on. And uh, if you're not familiar with uh, Ayn Rand's philosophy, uh, quoting Ayn Rand now, a philosophy for living on earth grounded in reality and aimed at defining human nature and the nature of the world in which we live. My philosophy, in essence, is the concept of man as a heroic being, with his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life, with productive achievement as his noblest activity, and reason as his only absolute. Well, that right there, that doesn't actually sound batshit crazy. No. No, it's not. It actually has uh, has some value. <laughs> but there are a few areas that, uh, at least for me, seem to become just a wee contradictory. For one thing, I don't think, quote, reason, end quote, is really all that objective or can be, you know? I mean, it's made up of countless momentary impulses, Right. They're all, they're all being reconfigured at any given moment to arrive at some conclusion. Now, I wonder how this philosophy works uh, in light of the, the uh, recent discoveries in quantum physics, where 2 plus 2 equals 4,511. 
but we digress. Well, you do. But will they? But anyway, we were, we were chatting about uh, Steve Ditko, and, and I have to say, uh, Mr. Ditko was a renowned recluse and stayed away from any uh, public notoriety and, uh, and for the most part was just sort of quiet. I had some personal experience with that, actually. <laughs> Back in 1987, we were syndicating a radio series called Shriek Show uh, for, at that time, uh, mostly terrestrial radio stations across the globe. And one of the guys I was working with on the series suggested we try to get Steve Ditko to do the cover art for the show. Because, of course, if you could get someone, quote, known to help out, it, it, uh, it would help with the show's identity and so forth. We also knew that uh, Ditko hadn't, well, he really hadn't done a lot of uh, recent stuff at the time. And... We had his phone number. Oh, that must have been a big <laughs> hit with him. <laughs> well, I got to say, he actually did not only pick up the phone, but he spoke to us and um, was actually very, very nice. But, of course, politely declined. <laughs> As he said, he wasn't uh, doing commissioned work at that time. Well, you know, I've heard of cases where the guy was like, really pissed off when uh, people tried to contact him. I mean, almost psychotically PO'd, you know? Well, yeah, me too. And uh, there, I think it was a documentary, or, or or maybe the article was just so well written that it felt like it. But I, I read about this chap, maybe, who uh, who was trying to find him, uh, Ditko. And uh, which really wasn't, you know, that hard. He didn't make an effort to, to hide or anything. He just never responded when folks came a-tapping at the door or phoned him. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I do, too. <laughs> I, I know this about you. So, a, a little touch with the with the uh, random obscure greatness there, I guess. And uh, he didn't hate us at all for trying. You, know, you got him on his one good day that month. Perhaps so. Gotta say, even though I don't think the uh, recognition was all that uh, crucial for him. But when uh, Marvel Films uh, finally acknowledged uh, Ditko's involvement in uh, the creation of Spider-Man, along with Stan Lee, uh, they gave him a little screen credit there. It, that, 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 was a, that was a good day, you know? Hopefully he got more than nice typesetting for that one. One would hope, but you know... Marvel owned all the creative back in the day, and uh, so the, the Steve Ditkos and the Jack Kirbys and the Johnny Ramitas and, and others were not really uh, seeing much back then past their paycheck at the end of the week. I don't think Miss Rand would have approved that idea. I suppose it, uh, it would have depended on what side of the capitalist fence you were on at the time. Um, in the, in the objectivism... Self-sacrificing for the betterment of all was considered a very bad idea. So uh, Ditko would have bridled at that, and did, by leaving in 1963 <laughs> for allegedly uh, greener pastures. Of course, uh, for the business, using the exact same philosophy, it was, quote, reasonable to want to uh, maximize your profits by utilizing the talents of your employees. 
See, this is why I've never had a real job. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. Is Billy home? Hi, Tommy. I'm afraid Billy's gone fishing with his father, Mr. Johnson. But please come in. I made cookies. Would you like to try my cookies, Tommy? Oh boy, I sure would, Mrs. Johnson. I really like cookies. Billy always brags about your cookies. Great, Tommy. Have a seat and enjoy my cookies. They're really hot, so be careful not to burn your tongue on my cookies. Gosh, Mrs. Johnson, your cookies are so soft and moist. I could eat your cookies all day. Thank you, Tommy. By the way, where did you get that great fuse box T-shirt? It really shows off your arms. Have you been working out? Thank you, Mrs. Johnson. I buy fuse box merchandise at thefuseboxshow.com. They have lots of really cool stuff. You should check it out and buy lots and lots of fuse box stuff for Billy. Just click on the fuse box store link and start shopping. It's that easy. That does sound easy, Tommy. Thefuseboxshow.com, huh? Thank you. Say, Tommy. When you're done enjoying my cookies, maybe you'd like to stay and go for a swim in my pool. Boy, would I! Thanks, Mrs. Johnson. May I have another cookie, please? <laughs> of course, Tommy. Say, how would you like to make out with me before you go swimming? I sure would, Mrs. Johnson. Gosh, you're the best. Mm. Oh, Tommy! Oh, Mrs. Johnson, <laughs> way to go, Tommy! And remember, you can get your Fusebox merchandise at thefuseboxshow.com. Apply to infected area only. Batteries not included. The show for everybody, but not everybody will like it. TheFuseBoxShow.com. I'd, I'd appreciate it like hell if you'd introduce me. I mean, there may be someone out there. You said there were blind people Mel out there. Gilden, they won't know who I am. This is Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison, this is Mel Gilbert. I've heard so Ellison. little about you. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening. This is Hour 25. And this evening, we're going to be bringing you something very special. Uh, all the way from Florida. Back in March, I was down in Florida doing some work for the ERA. And among the, uh, uh, what I thought were to be interviews was a request from two guys named uh, Bob Cannon and Mark Rose, who were over in St. Petersburg. And uh, they said, uh, would you come across the causeway from Tampa? And uh, uh, we broadcast on a, a station in, uh, in Tampa, in St. Petersburg, and we, we'd, like to, we'd like to meet you. So I thought it was an interview about the ERA, and since I was down there doing so many of them, I, uh, I was, you know, at their disposal, I said, fine. 
get over there and I find out a beautiful house they had and the house is just up to its ears in electronic equipment plus all of these strange models of what looks like alien architecture and peculiar characters now what the devil is going on here well what was going on there is that these two young guys 24 years old each Mark Rose and Bob Cannon have for the last two years been doing a series of radio drama broadcasts under the general title Dry Smoke and Whispers. And what it is is a science fiction hard-boiled detective series <laughs> placed in a mythical universe on a mythical planet called Quaymet. And their hero is uh, the electronics wizard Emil Song. And I listened to uh, a part of one of the tapes and was just knocked out. The stuff was so professional and so well done. And I then learned that Mark himself had done 148 different voices of characters, male, female, aliens, all kinds of strange things. They had a huge electronic rig. They had, uh, they had uh, synthesizers of all sorts. And uh, he wrote all the music for it. The whole thing was done there. And they had hmm. syndicated it all over the country. They even got um, uh, a national endowment grant to do it. And it had become a huge sensation in South Florida. And I said, they've got to hear this in L.A. They've just got to hear this. So I did my column on it this week. And, uh, and, and I hope that uh, people who read the column are listening tonight. And for those who didn't see the column, uh, this will come as, a, I think, a wonderful surprise. And if the people who listen to it like it, to get and obtain this series, and there's many, many more. They run each show runs three segments of about 25 minutes each. Uh, if the if the listeners like it, uh, Michael has told me that uh, he will undertake uh, through the station through KPFK to get this series, Dry Smoke and Whispers, which could become a part of this show or or be broadcast separately. Uh, and it's it's astonishing stuff, as you will hear. And we're going to play, uh, I gather you're going to play the first section. We're going to play part one, and then we'll talk for a couple of minutes, and then possibly give you the rest. But let's give you a good idea now of dry smoke and whispers. And um, I will say that if you are a fan of science fiction radio drama, don't go anywhere for the next 25 minutes. But then I bet about two minutes, and you won't be able to. All right, here it is, dry smoke and whispers. Folks, that little piece of historical audio footage came from a program called Hour 25 on KPFK in Los Angeles on August 22, 1982, orchestrated entirely by the speculative fiction author Harlan Ellison, who just left this mortal coil just a, a few short days ago. Uh, some may know that name as uh, the fellow who wrote uh, an award-winning story for uh, Star Trek back in the day, City on the Edge of Forever, or maybe Demon with a Glass Hand for Outer Limits, uh, or Soldier, or a couple of other things for that show, as well as uh, becoming a creative consultant for series like The New Twilight Zone and uh, Babylon 5. <laughs> also... Uh, Ellison was hired as a writer for Walt Disney Studios, <laughs> but was fired on his first day. Actually, actually, within three hours after Roy Disney overheard him uh, in the studio commissary joking about making a pornographic animated film featuring Disney characters. <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. No. No, no, seriously, his reputation for uh, not suffering fools, especially uh, like uh, network executives and uh, publishers, 
is uh, really, really well documented and mostly by himself. (laughs) Uh, There there is this story that's been filtering around and uh, that he nearly, uh, he, Harlan, nearly punched TV producer Irwin Allen out of his 30th floor office window. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely my kind of guy. (laughs) But uh, as you heard in that clip, uh, dear Harlan came to town when we were working on the uh, Dry Smoke and Whisper series for a local uh, public radio station uh, in Tampa, WMNF, who uh, had actually arranged to have him there for other reasons, the uh, ERA thing. <laughs> but being the budding opportunists that we were, we, uh, we took full advantage of that situation. Now, both Rob and I seriously only knew Harlan as a gracious and generous guy who was honestly jazzed about what we were doing uh, down there in Florida and thought uh, others might get a kick too. So after he visited us, he uh, went back to L.A. and wrote an article for the L.A. Weekly that uh, started things rolling, which, uh, by the way, you can, uh, you can read that article in uh, his book called An Edge in My Voice, which is still available out there, and uh, collects some of his writings for that uh, paper in, in one volume. And uh, in turn... He made good on his promise, as did uh, the late Mike Hodell from KPFK's Hour 25, who promptly arranged for the airing of all of our uh, current catalog at that time. It, uh, it was uh, an amazing time for uh, two young guys stuck in the F place, uh, <laughs> pumping out radio drama in a time that was sort of uh, unfriendly to long-form programming, but uh, certainly not as unfriendly as now, of course. He was really the right voice to be hearing at that time and to be uh, having our humble show airing on the same station that launched the Firesign Theater was, of course, pretty damn cool, I gotta say. I I actually do have that entire interview and... um, there's a moment after they play a couple of episodes, they actually phoned uh, Rob and I in, in Florida. And uh, at some point, I, I might even play that whole thing because it, it is a little nostalgic. So do you ever get out there? What, to uh, L.A.? Yeah. No, sadly we didn't. But uh, we did get the, uh, the radio series into about 50 uh, markets before we stopped producing that show. Uh, It's currently available on uh, audible.com if anyone is interested in hearing what all that noise was about back then. The series is called Dry Smoke and Whispers Radio Theater. And uh, we we have the first season that Harlan was a big fan of as well as the follow-up series that came out years later, like uh, 2004, I think. But uh, they're all out there for uh, your uh, dining and dancing amusement. But... uh, Harlan was, is, an amazingly innovative writer who uh, was always incensed when anyone called him a science fiction writer as uh, he clearly went well beyond the boundaries of uh, that category. He, he also felt that uh, that, that category was, was too limiting for, for virtually any writer who wasn't specifically writing science fiction like, you know, the Asimovs or the Clarks or so forth. And for those interested, I'd recommend some books, Deathbird Stories or Gentleman Junkie, 
or I have no mouth and I must scream, which I think has actually been adapted into a video game. Or uh, one of my personal favorite collections, Love Ain't Nothing But Sex Misspelled. The list is uh, pretty endless. And uh, he's also one of the most uh, decorated writers, period. I mean, he's he's won just about any award possible <laughs> across all genres and uh, in whatever category uh, the award is uh, based. Uh, I, I, know, I know that the, the first time I read a book by Ellison, uh, I knew that... Uh, I was in a very, very new place, and, uh, and, and, and his intros to stories are as entertaining as the story itself many times. He, um, he, uh, he did two collections of essays on TV that uh, was released in the late 70s called The Glass Teat and The Other Glass Teat that are, at many times, I, I, I swear to you, laugh out loud funny because... As I mentioned, some of some of his setups of the story or, or the essay were incredible journeys all by themselves. And uh, I mean, you you really got a sense of Harlan as a person in the, in his intros because uh, he wouldn't sugarcoat anything. Uh, but as we found out, as uh, many before us had, when he liked and respected what someone was doing, he was uh, he was a tornado of encouragement and uh, inspiration. And uh, I don't, I don't see a lot of that today in our uh, present world. Everybody's a YouTube star these days. Or a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or a podcaster. <laughs> uh, well, friends, with that uh, fond farewell to Steve Ditko and Harlan Ellison, we'll call it a show, but uh, not before being most grateful for the loquacity of our contributors. Laura Dine, Nico Lane, Jody Lorimer, Jeff Pollard, and Joshua Willis. Yes, and but also to the grand folks at KPFK Los Angeles, wherever you are, and in particular to the memories of Mike Hodell from the Hour 25 program and the one-of-a-kind Harlan Ellison for making uh, this journey an unforgettable one. And, as always, to the flying fader fingers of Milt Keynes for uh, technical assistance. Well, pleasure as always, amigo. And seriously, man, give, give that Zappa monologue some real thought. I'm sure our audience would love it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if by love it, you mean like slamming your hand in a piano several times? Yeah. Alas, not Thanks, of course, to you, friends, for bravely pushing play and knowing not what the hell you might hear. We are most grateful for your presence, and uh, I have been your smoking more but enjoying it less host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Fuse.